film fans. We have an exciting show today because we have Jim Betts as our guest. Hi, oh, Jim. Mr. Hi, excitement, Jim. that's me. Yes. <laughs> we'll talk to our guest, Jim Betts, in a second. He's going to do the heavy lifting. We'll talk Bad Boys for Life up next. Then we'll talk Doolittle around minute 13. Around minute 26, we'll talk Les Miserables. Around minute 33, we'll talk Cunningham. Around minute 39, The Song of Names. Around minute 45, Invisible Life. Troop Zero around 49. We'll talk about the bad DVD releases around minute 50. And then Lynn takes us to Hollywood around minute 52. Hi, Carl. Hello, Lynn. We are in a different studio today, so sorry that we're not at the uh, Fountain on Locust, but we are at the Entercom Studios today. And thank you, Entercom. Yes. Our friends here. All right, so, so let's. You want to start with something bad or something unexpected? Uh, well, let's start with something unexpected. So they, the unexpected thing is Bad Boys Three Life because it is the third Bad Boys movie. They so they didn't know if there would be uh, a a hunger for this. It made so much money its first weekend. Actually, before the third weekend was or the first weekend was over, they have greenlit. A fourth movie. Oh, so goodness. they shot their wad with Bad Boys for Life being the third movie. And so I have no idea what they will call the fourth movie. Well, they don't consider today part of the uh, the big uh, weekend since it's a holiday for a lot of the country here. So for most all well, the country, really. Yeah. So yeah. No, yeah. no. They knew they knew by Friday evening and Thursday previews that they it, they had a hit on their hands and that there was yeah. a clamoring for a fourth one. A hunger, and you, you know what they—they uh, they might since there is a television. Uh, I think Audience Network. I guess AT and T has the uh, television show with Gabriel Union, who was in the second movie. It is a spinoff of Bad Boys that I think it's called like LA's Finest. I'm not 100 percent sure on that, but they—they oh. they, the females of the films are in a television show, so I wonder if they would uh, do those, but. Lynn, neither you nor I saw the Bad Boys oh. 3 Life. No, but, uh, Jim, but Jim did. I did. I took the hit on that. Uh, as I took a bullet, as, as many characters well, do in that film. Oh, really? A lot of shootings? A lot of shootings. And it does uh, does earn its R rating, that. and uh, lots The of language? F, lots of F-bombs, you betcha, from uh, Martin Lawrence and uh, and uh, Will Smith. As, uh, I guess returning as Marcus and Mike mm-hmm. from the, uh, the previous films. The previous two. Yeah. Do they still have chemistry together? I think so, although, uh, you know, I, I, Martin, it seems like a little, uh, not, not quite as uh, rat-a-tat on his delivery as he, he maybe once was, but uh, I think it's, uh, that for those that uh, finally remember his old Fox uh, sitcom, I think they'll Martin. be happy with that. Yeah, Martin, he's not uh, having to dress up in drag or in different outfits <laughs> and this or whatever, so no, no, he's not having to do that Where this time. Where has he been? I don't know. I yeah, He did a few movies in between this and the last uh, uh uh, bad boys and uh, I just recall the uh, uh, a story supposedly his his uh, behavior was not so good on the movie uh, the worst what's the worst that could happen with Danny right. DeVito mm-hmm. and supposedly on the last day or the last week of the, the shooting the crew passed around and wore t-shirts saying you know, with the logo what's the worst that could happen on the front of the shirt the, you know, the movie logo mm-hmm. and the, the back said a sequel <laughs> <laughs> 
So oh. a lot of people are saying that this is Will Smith doing a favor for Martin Lawrence. Is that true? I have a feeling, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, they, there's something happens with his character at the start of it, and you there, aren't they getting too old for this, and they're getting ready to retire? Well, you think that think he's going to turn over the whole film to uh, Martin Lawrence, which does not happen. But uh, but yeah, yeah. It's since uh, you know you know since his career hasn't uh, his movie career hasn't taken off, and uh, he's been parodied. Yeah, but I Gemini remember. Man was horrible. Oh, you're talking about Will's yeah, career. Well, well, oh. Yeah, well, I'm. we know what's happened to Martin, which is, it, is, it was in a neutral position. But yeah. Will Smith is, I don't think he's in a upward spiral at well, the moment. Well, he's, he's sort of circling the uh, the Netflix train right. right now. Yeah, yeah, he had But that Gemini time. Man was bad. It was oh, bad. one of the worst of the year. I think I voted for it as the worst. But Aladdin was a huge hit. Yeah, but Even that, though he's, it's not good. That's yeah, not, it's not. It has it's nothing not to do good. with him. It's, that's nostalgia. Anyone, anyone could have been playing the genie, I think, and I think it would just have it's done a, he, a tremendous he did, amount of He did take a thankless role. There was no way for him to come out ahead on I that. I know, I know. You know, comparing yourself to Robin Williams, there's just no way he could win with that that's for sure no but uh but no no i i think that uh, this is a chance for like i say will to, to beef up his movie career and to help out his old pal so and it was the number one movie that weekend uh of this past weekend yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so well, buddy but it's Co- january buddy so. yeah buddy but see Cops. that's what every that's one says why is this movie coming out in january this is a summer flick yeah, yeah, and or, it, would would this have done well in Will's old uh, stomping ground of Fourth of July weekend? Maybe not that well, but uh, spring break, I think it would have done very well with uh, you know, like in uh, April or Mar- March or something like March. Yeah, but do kids are kids clamoring to see a Will Smith Martin Lawrence movie as they were in the early nineties or mid nineties? I guess the kids that wore out their old VHS tapes of those first <laughs> two might be uh, ready to see those guys at it again. So no, Michael Bay. Did the first ones right? So first two, yeah. first he, two. Is he producing? I think he's a producer. I think on he's this. a producer, and I, I, you, if you keep your eyes peeled, you will catch him in this. Oh, he's oh, on no. screen. Okay. Yeah. Well, a uh, Gabriel Union is uh, not in it apparently. No, but, she is not. And no, T. Leone. But she is. Oh, she is not. No, no. <laughs> She's but the president. She, yeah, she's the, she's the president of the United States. A better gig. Well, that with that, Tim that, Daly. That show ended also. So. Oh really? Is it yeah. not coming back I, for another I think, season? I think Madam Secretary on. is over, isn't it? It's still, well, it's still on. I just wondered if they they decided to end it this season or not. I'm not I sure. Don't, I don't know, but I the reruns are on. Um, because I have such an exciting social <laughs> life. The reruns Sunday are on, reruns. On, 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 on. Yes. You know, um, channel yeah. Four Me TV. And they're or, and they're my good. TV. Well, LA's finest is a spin-off. Is, is that the name of, of it? Her, yes. No, it I is had it a right. spin-off. You were right. It is a spin-off of her law uh, drug enforcement agent Sydney Burnett mm-hmm. now working for the LAPD. Okay. Oh yeah, yes. But uh, it's interesting that it's the spin-offs in LA because this is firmly in Miami. This is uh, mm-hmm. almost a travelogue fire from Miami Beach showing the sun and fun and lots of young ladies in skimpy bikinis and that sort of thing. So it looks like they're all having a lot of fun until Until something happens. Until the widow of a a drug cartel boss that uh, Will Smith's character helped bring down before he was paired with Martin Lawrence escapes from, does a daring escape from the uh, maximum security facilities Mm -hmm. in in Mexico. And that's one of the uh, really nasty, bloody scenes in the film. 
And uh, she comes a calling and she uh, enlists her son, who's on the outside, to enact her revenge yes. in in law. I guess she's not able to get in into Miami. the states. Mm-hmm. Oh, so uh, so he's her her man on the outside in Miami, and he's got a list of uh, judges and lawyers and things like that who were essential in putting her husband away mm-hmm. to wreak revenge on. Except she wants uh, Mike safe for last, but the boy gets ahead of himself, and Mike gets struck down. So you're wondering, you know, early in the film, you're wondering what's what's going to happen. Like I say, I thought is he going to turn over the whole movie? to a Martin Lawrence character who in the film is ready to retire from the force. Of oh. course. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, he, he, he was in 1995 they were rookies. <laughs> so oh, uh, so he's you know getting ready to become a grandfather and uh, oh, got wow. that whole family stuff going in about his So it's wife. a family film. Yeah, yeah, but you know Will Smith is telling him that's like you're going to drive your wife crazy at home and you know breaking things and of course there is uh, some wacky shenanigans some High slapsticks. Jinx. Yes, yes of him destroying uh, you know a ceiling fan and all that so you get a little bit of that but uh, that's, a, that's a very martin lawrence thing to do yes yes you can i can totally picture him doing that yeah so but it the, says severe profanity oh, and severe yes. violence well, and yeah. yes, yes. but, but well, no so, nudity yeah mm-hmm. yeah well some of that violence is provided by the new kids on the block of course there's some up-and-comers that their old chief is uh is trying to get together that's joey pants again that's right that's right I love joey, joey pants joey pants where's yeah, he been yeah. That's that's been it. I since Tony Soprano took his head oh, off, yeah. I don't know if he's done much of anything. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but yeah, yeah, he's got a, a group that I think their their little tag name is the Ammo Kids or Ammo. Oh lordy! And uh, the only name of them there, well, the the, the one of the uh, one of the men of it is uh, this uh, this young man that's on uh, on Riverdale is Reggie, and he was in this awful oh, uh, teen uh, thing that uh, the son is also a star last year. KJ Adam. Uh, I- KD? No, no, that's Ap- a, that's Archie Andrews. Oh, okay. He plays Reggie on there. Okay. Oh, oh, this oh, is Cole Reggie. Sprouse. No, no, no. That's Jughead. Oh, okay. See, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't watch, watch the Riverdale. Riverdale. This is, this is the only eight. thing I watch on the CW are all of the. Super comic girl. book show. That's right. <laughs> well, except well, I, I guess Riverdale is a comic book well, show. Isn't, uh, isn't Vanessa Hudgens in well, it? Well, I was getting to, she is the only big, big, big name there. Okay. And she's the, the big draw there. And, uh, you know, in the trailer, you get to see him start to sing the, the Bad Boys song and get reprimanded by Will and Martin. It's like, don't don't ever do that We're again. Not, we're not that bad boys. So the, one of the big knocks on the second one, which has a song by Nelly and P. Diddy, uh, oh. Shake Your Tail Feather. Um, the first one was 95. The next one was two. 2003, and they said eight years is a long time to do a sequel, but this is 17 years between oh. two and three. Do they do they say what they've been doing in the last 17 years, or are they well, just just uh, just you know, out there? And I'm about the ready job, to retire. Getting the job done. One of them's about to retire at the at the start of it. You know, they're driving way too fast through the streets of uh, Miami. And they've just kind of been at it for the last uh, 17 years. And like I say, Martin Lawrence's uh, Marcus is ready to get out of the game. And, uh, you know, Mike is adamant that they've still got some a few years left in them. And, of course, Marcus is adamant for Will's uh, character, Mike, to settle down. And he's like, I, I'm fine. You know, I'm mm-hmm. you know, cause there's a whole thing about uh, that, uh, that Mike might be uh, coloring his goatee a little bit. So that's a, <laughs> that's a running gag in it that they play off. But, uh, you know, it, this is one of those films it, it kind of delivers what it promises in the trailers lots of uh, lots of fast cars lots of destructions I, I don't think it's as uh, as obnoxious and otherworldly as the uh, the fast and furious films because they jettison the laws of gravity
comedy. Well, there's long also ago in those there's films. also comedy in this. More comedy in this one, you know. If, if you don't want it's an action just comedy, ludicrous than... and you know Tyrese kind of just you know chipping away at each other through the right. whole film. And there but, is... I, but no one would consider the Fast and Furious franchise comedic. They, they, it's action film. Yeah, it's action fantasy, I guess. And this this one is as up to a point. But this this kind of goes on and on. And uh, this uh, oh. the, the villainess in this is just so over the top. They even believe she's a witch that she has some you know some supernatural powers in it and uh, of course the big showdown it not only has to happen in a crumbling house or a, pr- a, a crumbling hotel hotel oh. Oh, oh, actually hotel. a crumbling hotel in mexico but there's got to be a raging thunderstorm going on outside too so you've got the <laughs> lightning flares and the it flares wasn't raining the when they walked in i know <laughs> it just started to drizzle a right. little bit and then it goes up and you know people get shot and then it turns out it's just a flash wound and this and that and you just get it gets a little tiresome after a while and it it felt all of uh, about 220 i guess is what it uh oh, what the wow. is, something 220 like i think For it is movie. well over two hours yeah and it just it's it no, there's no need for it to be that long, you know. Just it's just oh. trying to pack way too much into it. I was thinking 95 times. Oh no, no, gosh! If it if it was just under two hours, I think it would be a great improvement. Really? So if if I had reviewed it for our site art, I think Tom Stockman reviewed it for the. He Geek probably site, loved it. He did. He did. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, I would probably have given it two out of four stars. You know, it's it's it it's just passable. Kind of wears. It's 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 nice to see you. You want to welcome these guys back, but they kind of wear out they're welcome <laughs> after two hours you know so. yeah this will be totally forget forgettable by like summer nobody's gonna oh, remember yeah. it oh, by spring break yeah <laughs> alright so let's talk about the movie everyone hates and is the biggest flop of the year already <laughs> it is it, it, it's not and, gonna... and, and one of the ones of of all time perhaps according to the Atlantic really well, you might be you're not talking about the the 67 original yeah <laughs> which yeah. nearly bankrupt uh, 20th Century Fox so Dr. Doolittle, the original was Rex Harrison in the 60s, and then it was remade in the 90s by Eddie Murphy. Yes. And there those were, like were, those four, were successful. Yeah. yeah. There, were two, there were two Dr. Doolittle films with Eddie Murphy, and then two straight-to-video sequels, uh, I guess, with his daughter in the uh, in that role. And wow. And that's the role of the doctor that speaks to the animals. So I didn't know there were four of them I didn't total. either. Well, the Eddie Murphy one was enjoyable. I remember taking my I, children to I just it. remember the soundtracks, because uh, one of them had an Aaliyah song on it, and I... But the first, the Rex Harrison one was a musical, wasn't it? It was a full-fledged musical with the what, music really saying, by, uh, I can talk Anthony to the Newley animals. and Leslie Percusin. Yeah, if I could talk to the animals, won the Oscar for Best Song, and it won Best Visual Effects. Yeah. So it, the if originals, I could talk and, to the, the first one is an Oscar winner. Is an and Oscar I, I, winner, but you know they what? pushed it. Did the, did the Eddie Murphy ones win for effects at all or anything? I don't know if it was nominated. I don't think it won. Okay, uh, well, e- either way, this is Robert Downey Jr., doing the Rex Harrison slash Eddie Murphy role of Dr. Doolittle. Not a musical. Not a musical. Around, but set in the correct time time frame because, well, the books were written in the uh, the mid-early uh, er, mid 30s, and they were set in the Victorian era. So this film does involve Queen Victoria. Okay. And it's, it's it, 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 did you know who's playing Queen Victoria in it, uh, Lynn? Uh, Jesse Buckley, one of your our favorites. I know and she's Rose. completely wasted in this. She's actually comatose she's, for wait, almost all the films. So she's wasted, as in like not on drugs, not but on she drugs. is. She's wasted as as the part. The part doesn't She's require someone most of the with, time. A, with as much talent as she has. As an up and coming one to watch, and she's Oscar nominated for best song this year. 
Yeah, Glasgow. Yes, yes, yes. But uh, yeah, that's the main uh, plot of the film is that she's uh, she's in a, in a coma there, and uh, Doctor Lulu has to be called out of uh, retirement, or more like you know, like he's a hermit to uh, to go save her. I, I forgot to ask. Did either of you see it also? Uh, no, no, I was in L.A. Oh, okay. or trying to get there. I was at Lambert. So I take the head. I take the head on the both yes. uh, both studio releases this time. So yeah, yeah. It's it starts out with uh, kind of a nice uh, pseudo animated. Uh, pre-title thing that gives you the backstory about uh, Doolittle, about how he can talk to the animals. Oh, so you don't learn how he talks to the animals, you just it just just, jumps right into it. He just pretty much just jumps right into it. And that's an all-star cast of uh, voiceovers. Yeah, Yeah, 10 Oscar winners, isn't it, for the British guys? Yeah, something like that. Wow. Yeah, yeah, because Rami Malek is is in there, Octavia Spencer, you know, so Kumal Dajani, who is an Oscar winner for The Big Sick, is one of the co as the co screenwriter of that. But yeah, yeah, the 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 opening titles tell his story, and it tells about his romance with Lily, and about how they fell in love, and how uh, Queen Victoria gave them this sort of country estate, which they've turned into a sanctuary for all the animal pals that they've rescued over the years. And uh, Lily uh, decides she has to go off on an adventure, but uh, the the doctor uh, decides to stay back and and take care of the animals. And of course, she's lost at sea. Oh no! But not before she sends uh, a letter to her. Or a little. Why uh, wouldn't she like send thing. a bird since he can talk to it, birds? She she does. She sends the parrot back. The parrot uh, Polly, oh. who was voiced by another Oscar winner, Emma Thompson. Oh. Okay. So there you go. And, and when when he well, loses his I'm, wife, I'm writing this movie as we were talking about yeah, it. Really, really. <laughs> he decides he doesn't want anything to do with anybody, and he's just going to stay in his estate, all closed off. And that's all fine that until this, make sense. this kid nearby, nearby, who's a character from the book Stubbins, uh, he's taken out to hunting by his family, and he's just not a hunter. And he tries to uh, shoot his rifle, but away from the... Uh, the, uh, the 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 geese that they're hunting, ah. but instead hits a squirrel and decides to bring it in to Doctor Doolittle to be taken care of, and he runs into uh, Lady Rose, this uh, this uh, young teenage girl around the same age oh, as him, who's there to find Doctor Doolittle to plea with him to come help. Queen Victoria, who has taken ill, is in a coma, and uh, he does finally get get cleaned up. We get to see, uh, you know, him with the big beard, and then you know the the animals help with the shaving and all that, and get him <laughs> get him there, along with the animals, go to the the palace also, and find out that the Queen's personal physician, who is a rival of Doolittle's, Doctor Mudfly, played by uh, Michael Sheen, is uh, is you know actually. Trying to trying to poison the queen so oh, that his no. pal, mm. another Oscar winner, Jim Broadbent, playing one of one of the earls or lords or something, can be take over the throne, oh, and wow. Doolittle decides that the only one thing can cure her, which is the uh, from, uh, oh. antidote from a plant on this uh, this strange island, and it turns out his his wife's journals tell him uh, the location of it so he has to get a boat and so he and Stubbins and the animals decide to go to this island and of course they're followed in a warship by Mudfly who's going to stop him and the island is uh, ruled by a pirate king oh my goodness who's that Antonio Banderas, Oscar nominee, oh. who is also the uh, Downey's father-in-law, Doolittle's father-in-law in the film. Oh, so okay. There you go. Well, so there's so... some tension there, and uh, he wants to uh, to to off the doctor by use of Barry, the uh, tiger voiced by uh, by uh, Ray Fiennes. 
I heard wow. that the the plot's really that that there isn't much of a plot. No, well, it's, well it, I think in my in my review I said it's kind of like two or three episodes of a TV series uh, stitched together. It's like you know, uh, you know, get the doc out of uh, hibernation and let's get uh, let's t- hit the high seas. Let's go to this island and it just kind of you know, all of a sudden they're on the island, you know, via some narration mm-hmm. and it's kind of a jambled mess and. The, the 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 CGI animals. There's no uh, you know puppetry in this one or uh, or any animation of. They know, didn't put uh, they didn't put peanut butter on a dog's lips. Not this time around. So it's a little better, I'd say, than the Jumanji CGI animals. But that's not saying a whole lot. So did you have fun while watching this at all? Not really, because uh, my main problem was the sound. Because it looks like all of Downey's lines were overdubbed later on. I'm he's he's got a Scottish brogue in this. Oh, and I'm wondering if he was hitting it too hard that it was indecipherable when they filmed it, and then they went in and said, "Well, let's redo all the lines," and it still kind of trails off in some scenes, and you can't quite make out all of these things. I made out maybe about ninety percent of his lines in it. But he and does have a clean-shaven face. Finally, get to see those. Yeah, well, which he didn't have. Well, he, he had the, the goatee as Tony right. Stark, and we were talking about this this earlier, uh, uh, Carl. That uh, that this is you know maybe his his bid to prove that he can have a post Marvel cinematic yes, studios he, career. Yes, but he was nominated for an Oscar for playing Charlie Chaplin, <laughs> and in Tropic Thunder he was right. uh, also, oh, yeah, which was supporting. The, the same year he started playing Tony Stark. So I would like to see him go in the opposite direction. I think two Serious? or three years before. Before Iron Man, I think I have to find the exact date. Zodiac, you remember that? Okay, he was terrific. Kiss, in kiss, that. bang, bang. Kiss, but terrific in that. So I would like to to see him get more of the adult stuff. He tried that a little bit with the what was it the Judge? Oh, that was oh yeah, the, yeah, the film yeah, he did With Robert Duvall, which really didn't do much. But uh, yeah, he, but he a, was because everyone saw him as Tony Stark when he, as a lawyer. Yeah, yeah. And the trip I think was the one he did with um oh it was a trip the overnight or whatever with Which, Zach Galifianakis. Zach Galifianakis a road trip. Road trip. Yeah, yeah. So that didn't quite go anywhere. Now our buddy Max said Doolittle is getting way too much hate. He said he didn't say it was a good movie. He just says it's it's not deserving as much crap as it is getting. Well, a lot of folks seem to think since this is the uh, this is aimed at the uh, the tots, the the pre K set, that mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I should give it a, cut a little bit of slack. It's a kids but, movie. Yeah, but I you know, luckily the people at Pixar, Disney Animation, don't think they make that. good movies. They make good movies for everybody, and I don't think it's any excuse for for, for the sloppiness in the script. Uh, it seems like the the CGI animals are just bouncing, especially off the walls on the second remake other. of a existing source yeah well know. no I, I guess this would be a third remake because it's books right yeah it was originally a book so it's a third it's a third version of a pre-existing that's right it's been it's a bit of book it's been an animated short it's been a radio show it was it was a saturday morning cartoon in 72 from the people wow. who did the pink panther cartoons so it's been a property around did for rex a harrison long time. do the voice uh, no, not in I, that I doubt cartoons. it you know the uh, doing my research you know who really profited from the rex harrison version of that film who 
George Lucas. Really? Because when he brought Star Wars to uh, 20th Century Fox, he said, uh, well, what about the merchandising? And Fox had been so burned by the by merchandising Doolittle. disaster of Doolittle, they said, oh, you can have the merchandising. We don't need for that. We don't need a cut of that. So that, that you know, lost so Fox a lot of money, but basement, made George a lot of money. Yeah, my basement is very full of George Lucas money. Yes, yes. So, uh, so that was, you know, probably the most interesting thing from that uh, that original 67, you know, uh, Dud. So but, when uh, it's on, when it's streaming in a month or two, is it a curiosity to see, I mean, or is it just ignore it? If you're a hardcore Downey fan, you might want to check it out. But otherwise, it just it just seems like it just goes on and on. Even though it's nowhere near the runtime of Bad Boys for Life, it it feels like it. Well, it's a kids movie. Kids movies shouldn't be more than two hours. No, no, definitely not. I remember the the Disney classics, the animated films. Dumbo like is sixty three minutes long. Yeah, most of them are about seventy two, seventy five tops. Mm-hmm. So that's about right. I remember the first Cars, which there's there's a nostalgia for the first Cars, but I remember when Cars came out. No one liked Cars. They said it was too long. It's it's Doc Hollywood. But then after Cars two came out, how could you tarnish the the? <laughs> how could you tarnish Cars? I'm like, yeah. wait a minute. You guys didn't like Cars when it came out. I knew I did because I en- I enjoyed the pacing of Cars. But Cars is almost two hours, and I remember that. I'm like, wow, this is pretty long for a kids movie. That's that's when you know that Pixar is not just making movies for kids. I know, I know, I know. So so this one will, will be gone. Fairly surely be in the red box, but unless, like I say, you're a hardcore Downey fan or you're a fan of any of the uh, the voice actors, and yeah, I and barely, there are I many. Barely, I can barely recognize Rami Malek as uh, as the uh, as the uh, the gorilla in it. Well, but, uh, the and then Jesse Buckley is wasted also. Yeah, yeah, she doesn't come awake until the last twenty minutes. Uh, Kumal Nujani has a nice role as uh, the ostrich, uh, which is better than what he was in Men in Black International. That little alien. Yeah, well, he was the he was the best part of that movie. He was. Yeah, yeah. So and Jason Mastukaukas, I, I don't know. Yes, yes. He is a dragonfly in it, and he's very funny. Oh, I love him. He's but, great on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh, he is. He is terrific on there. So I really can't. I recommend this at all, you know. All right, so shall we do something prestige, or should we do? Uh, well, see, I didn't see Cunningham, I didn't see Song of Names, I didn't see Lay Miz, I didn't see Invisible Life, I didn't see Troop Zero. Lynn, what have you seen? Lynn. Hello, Lynn. Has she fallen asleep? She did. Oh my God. I I lulled you away. <laughs> You did not hear anything, did you? I took the muscle relaxer before I came today because <laughs> my hand was hurting so oh bad. Oh, my goodness. My I'm goodness. sorry. That's okay. I'm so sorry. Well, the question was, oh, I'm sorry. I did not see Cunningham, Song of Names, Invisible Life, Les Mis, or Troop Zero. Did you see any of those films? I did. I see. I saw Cunningham and I saw Les Mis. I didn't get to the other ones because of the weekend. Jim, did yeah. you see Song of Names? I saw Song of Names. I saw Invisible Life also. And I saw, uh, did not see Cunningham. I saw Les Mis. Okay, also. let's go with the one that you both saw. Let's okay. Do, let's do Les Mis. Les Mis is not the It's not the musical. Victor Hugo. Well, is it the Victor Hugo story? Well, no, but it's connected. Okay. Yeah. It's connected because it is in the same suburb of Paris. Is it Montreal? Is it something uh, like that. Yeah. Yeah, he wrote the book. It's an impoverished modern suburb with uh 
corrupt cops and uh, uh, immigrants. So it's not Javert and Jean Valjean. No. No. Nobody's stealing bread and, you know, nobody. No no, Fantine. No. no, What has been stolen is a lion, a baby lion from a zoo. Mm -hmm. And they found out this one kid has it. There is a drug lord. There is some 'er ne'er-do-well children. And there is a new cop on his first day. So it's like training day a little bit. There. It is. Yeah. yeah okay. okay. It is, but it's French. Okay. We. Oui. And he's from the he's from the sticks. He's from the uh, the outskirts towns. So right. he's not been in the city. So this and this movie's in French, correct? Yes, it is. Okay. And in modern times. All right. It is the French entry into the Oscar, and it best it is international one of the five, film. Yes, best international film, one of five. Because it's not foreign film anymore. No, it will lose to. Parasite. Yes, but, yes. It doesn't have a chance. It doesn't have a chance. <laughs> but everybody thought Portrait of a Lady on Fire was going to be the French entry. Right. And Which it's was this. one of our nominations for Best Picture in the St. Louis Film Critics Association. It was. As uh, we, it was. It was. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, well, but did the, you like it? Les Mis, uh, I think it's pretty strong. I think there's some good stuff in it. Uh, it involves a lot of uh, police brutality. A lot of the, the stuff that's going on in this film is things that have been in the headlines in this country for the last years with these, you know, cops sort of harassing uh, minority kids. Okay. And uh, being quick to the trigger, although the cops in this film have uh, sort of their version of a dum-dum bullet. It's sort of a, oh, a rifle cannon. A, a rubber cannon. bullet? A, a rubber bullet, a big rubber bullet. It's like a, it's like a big rubber it, it, ball it's, it's, that they can uh, fire at it's a, people. It's like a beanbag, right? No, I don't know if it's quite quite that but boy it it does some damage it stings so. but it doesn't it's non-lethal well yeah it depends on at what range you uh, oh, shoot really? at someone because it involves them uh, accidentally using it on one of the kids and another one of the kids is obsessed with his drone Oh and yeah, there's a drone. Yeah, I forgot. So that's that hooks in <laughs> That the was not times. in Victor Hugo's no, book no, at all. No. And no. of course the drone records the whole thing and so it's a the big, big tragic run. incident so okay. it's not only a, a big race to find the lion cub it's also a big race to get the video card out of this drone because if because he posts it online if he gives riots. it to the media the media it, it, it definitely will so be riots. the kids and the cops are both looking for the drone and yeah well so who has the drone well, the kid. The oh. kid does, but uh, he you know, kind of entrusts it with someone at one point, you know, okay. with somebody else. And there's also sort of a sanctuary uh, Middle Eastern diner that's that's where people uh, from the different sides can meet. And it's presided over by this this uh, this chef that's really calm and he's kind of the voice of reason of the film. Okay, yeah, along there's with this a country mu- cop. Yeah, there's a Muslim Brotherhood. Okay, and then there's a Nigerian. Uh, group. Yes, yes. Those the, are the ghetto. The yeah, and it's a poor so, area. It's like it's like it is just like over here. Uh, it you know it could be Compton. It could be low uh, income housing. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it could be. So these cops that they, they always patrol that area. So this new cop's kind of got to get. He's got to get the lay of the land. He's got to get the new. Um, He's got to get like how they operate, mm-hmm. but I don't think he wants anything to do with these two 
knuckleheads that but he's been particularly put with. Chris, who uh, the actor worked on the script of this, the fact that plays the, the the real hair trigger, Chris, who is just just brutally. Uh, there's a scene in which he decides to hassle some young girls at a bus stop, and it's almost right out of the film Crash that mm-hmm. uh, that one. It reminded me of when you know Matt Dame or Matt Dillon's character was hassling uh, Thandie Newton mm-hmm. in front of her hubby, and here he's you know wanting to search these these young young girls and this country you know cop is just horrified at this and it's just ridiculous and he's just he's a guy that's you know looking to looking to uh, to smack around somebody all the time it seems like mm. that, so it is kind of like a training day yeah it, it, it reminded me of that too i think there is some uh, relevance to a real event i think they did have riots 2005 I think, yeah, right? yeah yeah 2005 the paris riots and so mm-hmm. this is a take on them but do they the, reference yellow vests and all that too not really. No, okay. No. My question is this: Why is it called Les Miserables? Because that would be like having a story set down in. That would be like if Just Mercy was called To Kill a Mockingbird, isn't yeah. it? True, true. Or there's the the story of the uh, you know that uh, the the birth of a nation, which was uh, not right. a remake of the uh, the silent. You're film, right. But was, You're right. Yeah, well, yeah, but but but. but I believe that he did that on purpose. Yeah, yeah. As a slam against, we want to take this title back from this racist, right. you know, silent film. But, but I um, also think that it it is to show nothing has changed much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay. <laughs> so there there is a re. I mean, I under, I I'm just trying to understand. Yeah. It's, yeah. That, it's the same impoverished people fighting for. Their, you know, for um, to get out of their circumstances yeah, and the, to uh, and you're and you're not gonna, you're not going to confuse this with Anne Hathaway's Oscar-winning performance. Oh, no, 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 mm-hmm. no, no. Or maybe, yeah, you know, I was bitching to somebody. I said, yeah, they they've digitally taken out Russell Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that. So it's 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 compelling and it's moving. Yeah, it's good. It's, 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 if you, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's so a France had film. a good year this year. Yeah, yeah, it's it and it it kind of has a interesting ending that's very compelling. I think that makes you leave the uh, the theater or the TV screen if you're streaming it or whatever. That you know, wondering what's what's going to happen to these people. It is on Amazon. Okay, Amazon oh, it is Prime. already. Okay. Uh, well, they opened it in theaters in St. Louis Friday. Friday, but I'm pretty sure it's on Amazon Prime already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the okay. streaming Amazon. Okay. All right, then let's go down to uh, you saw Cunningham, Lynn. Yes, uh, this is a niche market. I don't even know what this is. This is Merce Cunningham. He was a pioneer in modern dance. He had a 70-year career. He used artists like Andy Warhol. Yeah. And uh, that, and he also he was a dancer. Yeah, dancer. How would he? Wouldn't you'd think that Andy Warhol would be using him instead of the other way around? Yeah, the other way around. So, like, did Warhol do the the set directions behind his dancing? Or yeah, there were some pieces that Warhol was involved in. Okay. Um, So this is modern dance. Okay. So if you're not Mm. a fan of the modern dance, like in the movie Climax. Yeah. Um, so, uh, this, this starts when he's a struggling dancer in New York. Yeah, but this is back in the 60s and 50s. Uh Uh-huh. He's post-war New York, and then he starts doing these innovative dances with the Merce Cunningham Dance Company, and so they take some of the remaining people in his dance company, Mm -hmm. and they have recreated a bunch of his 
iconic dances to tell his story yes and then they have archival footage of him he um liked to uh just say it explore the envelope i guess or push the envelope envelope. yeah and with nudity and sexuality and things like that and uh he has a lot of uh Dances that they perform like on rooftops and oh, like huh. different places and okay. like tra- like subways and hmm. they're maybe one of those like early flash mob kind of things okay. you know or early I get what you're whatever. saying so all of a sudden you're watching the movie and then there's like all these people in in colorful leotards that are on top of a roof and you're like oh okay oh, right. so it's it's a lot of that yeah how do you make money by doing that or did you did they film it. Or did they just like get his name out there? That's what it was. Yeah, they filmed it. He also taught. Okay. He had a studio and he taught. And apparently, he is a really big deal. I never heard of him yeah. before. Yeah, but you're you're a theater person. So I know. You think you would have known? I him. felt like okay, this. But is But you got gonna... educated. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's just it's a ninety-three minute movie and. Um, once you've seen it, you've seen it. <laughs> really? I'm just saying, it's just one of those that it goes on and on and on. I mean, you know, watching... It's a documentary, but you've learned everything within the first 45 minutes. Right. Like, if if you aren't a fan of modern dance... And I, there are a lot of people that are not. Yeah, this yeah. is Because just it's, a, it's, it's subjective. Sure. Yeah, but if you but really But did you learn like... about the process? Yeah, I like I like, um, you know, he doesn't call it interpretive. He goes, I don't interpretate. But okay. you know, I mean, I'm not a fan of the interpretive dance that they do, like on the Oscars when they have a. Oh, oh yeah. I have a friend. Oh, I have a Sabian Glover with his tribute to Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> you know. Well, no, I have a friend that at Epcot every time that they do the closing fireworks show, which used to be. Um, it used to be wishes. Was it well, whatever it used to be? She did interpretive dance for that because she would just dance around uh, the United Kingdom, just going, "Oh, it's time." Uh, oh, illuminations. Uh, illuminations was the name of the thing, and she said, "I'm feeling illuminated." <laughs> and so, yeah, I I'm aware of what interpretive dance is, and it's not for everyone. No, it's not, and uh, you've got to applaud. The, the creative process mm-hmm. um, he was a he was one of the innovators of the technique and of the art form mm-hmm. he lived with a he um, made money off it yeah and yeah. John Gage was his lover of decades and he's a musician that they use so was he an activist also I think so yeah I think so um I'm just, uh, it just was like, people really love this guy. Okay. He's very well thought of. And so um, it's his centennial. That's why they did the documentary. Oh, okay. Nice. So he was born in 1920? Yeah. So, um, you know, it is what it is. If you're interested in seeing something maybe out of your comfort zone, it's enlightening. Yeah, right. I, think, I think you mentioned that it was, uh, I remember you telling me it was uh, uh, released in 3D in some market. I said, I think it's not in wow. 3D yeah. here in this market. Here. Okay. And yeah, but it first came out because it played all the festivals. It played Toronto. It played, it was a big deal, you know, like, oh, it's 3D. It's so good. And I then see all these... it in, like Tribeca in 3D or mm-hmm. some, a New York mm-hmm. film festival. So all these dance aficionados are, are flocking. Well, I believe it. 
All right, then let's move on to um, another historical thing. It's called Song of Names. Yes. What, what I know about this is that they, the people in the concentration camps wanted to remember the names of the people that were murdered. Right, right. And that's, so they sang everyone's names, and that's how they could remember them. That uh, figures into the plot, actually. It doesn't come in until about the halfway through it. There's no scene set in the concentration camps, but, of course, it does loom over the story quite a bit. It actually starts out post-war in 1951, and uh, the, this... Uh, Violin Prodigy is going to have his big debut at um, at London uh, Theater, London Auditorium. And this is based on a book, correct? Based on a book, not okay. a true story. And uh, and the, uh, the the proprietor of the concert hall, he's all worried about it. And his the the the, the concert hall proprietor's son, ah, uh, which I get, uh, is who's later played by Tim Roth. Okay. Oh he's yeah, because they they're kids first and or yeah. teenagers first and then. Well, he's about adults. twenty right now at nineteen fifty one, and he says, "Oh, we'll find him. We'll find him." And of course, they don't find him. He disappears. David Rappaport is the name of the uh, mm-hmm. the uh, the violinist. They they can't find him, and of course, the 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 father, the concert hall entrepreneur, is. Uh, impresario whatever is is devastated because yeah, they have to give son. all the money back yeah oh. really <laughs> oh yeah and and his son's missing yes yes and well it's his sort of surrogate son 35 years later tim roth is sort of in the same position and he has to uh leave his his wife and go to a uh competition an audition uh of uh, young uh musicians to join an orchestra and it's you know, kind of going as he thought it would go and until he sees a young violinist uh, rosin up his bow, and then I guess it's a rosin ball, and then he kisses the ball and puts it in his uh, his uh, his uh, coat pocket. It's like a major league pitcher. Yeah, yeah, and it just strikes him as something that David had done. Oh. and so uh, Tim Roth's you know contacts this uh, young violinist, and despite the, the the mother of the violinist not wanting anything to do with this, he finds out who sort of uh, was his mentor, and oh, through wonder. him he starts this journey, which takes him from London to Poland and such to find David Rappaport. All this time, they also do a flashback to uh, pre-war, about uh, 1936-37, in which David's father comes to uh, to see Tim Roth's father in London, and he uh, displays David displays his uh, his violin skills, and the Polish father says, "Well, we can't afford any, you know, to send him to some high prestige school here." And uh, Tim Ross says, "No, I, he will live with me, and we'll take care of him, and we'll we'll uh, adhere to his uh, religious beliefs, you know, via food." Oh, he's and Jewish. All that. He's Jewish. And the and father so needs it's... to get back to Warsaw to take care of his family because Uncle Adolf's troops are nearby, and, and they need so to keep things the, he together. he couldn't escape. So he could not escape. And so it's about those two boys growing up a lot of it, and uh, about how uh, David sort of tears himself away from uh, from the Jewish faith, and then later on, he does hear the Song of Names and learns what what happens mm. to his family. And uh, it's not giving much away to say that Tim Roth does eventually finally catch up with him. And, he, you know, the part of the journey takes him to New York City and then back to London and gets, uh, well, the, uh, the, the, the adult David is played by Clive Owen, who is now a, uh, an Orthodox Jew, I believe. He's got the, the, the long beard and mm-hmm. he wears the, uh, the, the black clothing and the whole thing, I guess. That would be the Orthodox. It right? is Orthodox, yes. yeah. And but he has decided that he will honor 
his you know, previous commitment to do a concert. And uh, it's all about uh, them wondering whether he's going to go through with it or not and about the clash between the two of them. And, uh, you know, the, the, this, this is for a niche market. Isn't this it? is a very niche market. Very artsy. Very, uh, very artsy. It's, it's tough more, to follow the timeline. Is it? Is it as artsy and niche as Cunningham? Not quite. I think it's it's aiming for the broader audience. Maybe if you uh, enjoyed uh, a, a film like Schindler's List, mm-hmm. or oh really? Uh, yeah. Or there have been uh, a few Orthodox Jewish set films recently. I remember there was the one Disobedience is the one that comes to mind immediately with uh, the two Rachels in it, Rachel Weiss and Rachel McAdam. It's sort of set part in in that world, but it, you know, the Tim Ross character is just not that compelling. He's just kind of single-minded through the whole thing. Uh, you know, Cliff, uh, Clive Owen really doesn't show up until the film's, well, until the film's third act in the last 20 minutes or so. And uh, the ending is somewhat unsatisfying. <laughs> and uh, you're, you're like, oh, really? Well, Would they really do that? Do you know that? if it's the same as the book, though? I don't know. Okay. I, I, I was wondering, no, I, I think it was someone who was adapting the book. I was thinking that the author had adapted, but I, I'm, I'm well, mistaken. Then, okay. But uh, there's a, a lot of things that happen in it that just don't seem to make a lot of sense uh, character-wise. It looks really But it's great. based on a true story. Based on a true story. Oh, well, you're kind of inspired, I'm sure, by a true okay. story. Or, you know, more by the novel inspired by the true story, but it's I, it's just it just kind of meanders a little bit. The uh, it looks great, you know, the stuff in uh, World War II London looks terrific. At one time, they have to go sleep in the uh, the the, uh, the 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 tubes, I guess. Oh you know, wow! Avoid the, oh, the wow. bombing. And at one point, uh, the little David does some some sort of gray robbing. He, you know, they go by a bombed out building and they see a outstretched hand out of the rubble. And he goes up and steals the jewelry steals the from him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my oh. gosh! I'm guessing there's a scene where they're in the London Underground and you hear a bomb and dust goes everywhere. Oh yeah, you get to see oh. a little dust, but of course you get a little uh, a little concert down there too. Oh, because they are prodigies it's right that's right but i i like the uh the actor playing the father in it i can't recall him right now but uh he's he's very very good very understanding dad in it but like i say it's it just kind of it doesn't go anywhere and the, the relationship between tim roth and his wife who's played by Catherine mccormick is oh she's yeah, I know she was in Braveheart, wasn't she? Uh, many years ago, but uh, her there's not much that her character does that that makes a lot of sense. So I I just can't rec- <laughs> can't recommend the film, even though it looks great, it has good intentions. It's gonna play front neck, I guess, for about a week or two, and then then disappear. Then disappear to the streaming. You know, somewhere. I'm glad I didn't. I was going to go see it, and I'm glad I didn't. Yeah. All right, Invisible Life. What is that? Well, we all saw that. Do you want to start I with didn't, that? I didn't. I thought you saw no, that one. I'm I sorry. Wanted to, I but was going we're to. We're going to talk but... about where Lynn has been and why she has seen nothing. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, uh, Amazon, uh, that's another Amazon streaming film. It's from Argentina. It is based on a celebrated novel. Uh, it I actually, did hear about this. Yes. Yeah, it actually almost is, is like a, a TV miniseries or a telenovela kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about two sisters growing up in, uh, in Rio de Janeiro. Uh, in uh, pronounced Rio that? de Janeiro. Rio de Janeiro. That's better. Uh, in uh, in the early fifties, and it's uh, one of those things that uh, you get to see them uh, change hairstyles and outfits <laughs> as the decades go on and on. And uh, they're very close. These these two sisters. One of them is preparing to get married. The other one is having a romance with a sailor from another country. 
And uh, on, I think it's somewhere around the time of the marriage of the one sister to, I want to say he's a dentist or something like this. So some sort of medical man, but a kind of a repressive character. Around the time that she gets married, the other one runs off to be uh, be with the sailor. Mm. And uh, the, the, uh, the one that was married keeps you know, in contact with the parents of, uh, you know, their, their, her parents. Sure. Now, the, uh, the one that uh, ran off with the sailor, things don't work out, and she comes back pregnant Uh-oh. and the father is so horrified he literally throws her out and banishes her into the streets of uh, rio so uh, she this has all, an invisible life then oh yeah she has an invisible life because her sister is so devoted she can't find out from her father where she is doesn't know what's happened to her and so they're they're apart for so long i think the uh, the, the married sister is sending letters to her which are not getting to her. They're being confiscated by the, mm-hmm. the father and all that. And the other one is trying to track him down. Uh, the other one, uh, the, the one that uh, had the ill-fated affair with the sailor, it's all about her trying to find a life for herself, trying to make a living, trying to raise a child on her own, befriending a, a woman that owns a, a, a sort of house, an apartment house, mm-hmm. and helping run that. What time and period is this again? This goes from the early 50s to about the... Uh, the uh the, the early 60s mid 60s okay. and then it jumps far ahead into the early 80s or so for the last few minutes of it and so it's, you can it's, find out what happens to everybody yeah it's kind of you know heartbreaking it's very emotional uh it's a lot of, it's very adult uh a lot of, <laughs> lot of nudity in it i will say oh, that good. yeah okay <laughs> and, uh, but it's a heartbreaking nudity it is it is a heartbreaking film it's about sisterly love uh there's a there's a lot to uh to like it, it probably goes on a little too long, so it literally feels like a miniseries. But I would, I would say, if you're into these sort of grand scale melodramas, that uh, that you would enjoy that. That it would be uh, fairly entertaining. The the the, the fashions, the, uh, the the settings there in in Rio are just fabulous. And there's there's at one point they they come within minutes, within seconds of meeting, meeting. up with each other. And oh, it's just so frustrating. Oh lord! And you're just uh, it's just you know one of the most tense uh, sequences uh, in the you know that I've seen on screen this past year. Oh wow! But uh, but the the but actress, that was exciting. It was that was exciting. The actresses are very good. Uh, you really feel for the all that they're having so to deal with in the period. So since it's in Rio, is it in Portuguese? It is, and it's it is dub. It is not dubbed. It's I, I saw the subtitled version. I imagine they probably just have the subtitled one on mm-hmm. on Amazon streaming, which is probably available right now. So uh, you know, if this if this is a high drama is is your thing, I think you'd enjoy it. I think if I were reviewing it uh, for the site, I would probably have given it uh, probably three out of four stars. Wow. I think it's it's very well done. I uh, I don't think it made the Oscar cut though. It did not. No, no, which is a shame. It's a, it's a strong entry. I think so. And then finally, no one has seen Troop Zero. No, I found out I was going to review it, and then it's only, it's not in theaters. It's oh. only on uh, Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. And so we, uh, at the times, we're not going there. We're not just really? doing, yeah. Yeah, they had a screening for us the same morning as Doolittle, I think, over they had oh, on a Saturday? Over, on yeah. a Saturday morning at the Science Center, I think. Yeah, oh, okay. at the Science Center. But I opted for Doolittle, and sorry. You know. But uh, this this uh, this one has a couple of Oscar winners in it. Yes, now. and Allison Janney, and one of my favorites, Jim Gaffigan, and Viola Davis is the other Oscar uh, winner. Yeah, really? so I do want to see it. And Mackenzie Grace, the young up and comer, yes. is uh, the main little girl in it, I believe. She was the little girl with Chris Evans in The Gift. 
Yeah, and she played uh, young uh, Captain Marvel, I believe, in those flashback sequences. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. But no, no, I saw None that. Of I, saw I thought it. it was going to be in theaters, but it's only only online. So. All right, right. So mm-hmm. then let's let's skip ahead to the three movies you should not rent or get on <laughs> Blu-ray or watch streaming. Maleficent, the mm. it's the sequel. Yes. It's actually a little better than the first one. But not much. It's uh, a Mistress of Evil is the full title. Yes. Well, you know what? What makes it a little better than the first one? I think is Michelle Pfeiffer. Well, yeah, is a good uh, villain and a good you know sort of counterpoint. But it's a, it's a good sequel too because it keeps. Uh, they changed the prince though. Yeah, yeah. But but, uh, uh, but yeah, no one's watching this. The prince. But the the the, the interaction between Michelle Pfeiffer and Angelina Jolie is terrific. So. And also, then there was Jexy with Adam Devine. Which they would not show to us. And, and I've, we've heard that it is nothing but awful. Mm. And then uh, Gemini Man, which we've already referred to earlier, that it is not good. It's a Will Smith movie where Will Smith doesn't look like Will Smith, because you're expecting a young Will Smith to look like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. This looks like they de-aged him but it made it look like they got another actor to play someone that he, you know, he kind of looks like Will Smith. Let's get him to do this. That's how weird the de aging has gone in uh, Gemini Man. And yeah, it's, there was something weird going on with his overdubbing. Also, it looks like they tried to dub in his lines. It looks and like it just, a cartoon. Yeah, yeah. It just his lips aren't because, matching well, the they, words. What they did is they pitched his voice up. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. they probably did the auto tune or something on him. Yes. So don't see any of those movies. And then there's also something else that I didn't know anything about. Uh, 3022. That that's out. That's out this week too. But I had never heard of it. So we're going to skip it and not hmm. talk about it at no all. No idea. Lynn. Yes. Where were you last weekend? I was at the Critics Choice Awards for the very first time because I'm a, a member of the Critics Choice Association, formerly the Broadcast Film Critics. So that was uh, that was the second award show of the season. It's Golden Globes, Critics' Choice, Screen and Actors And then everything Guild. else and yeah, producers. And that, now the Critics' Choice is like 400 people in broadcast uh, film reviewing or entertainment. You know, some for, of the big, for television and movies. Right. So some yeah. of the big ones yeah. like... Dave Cargus was there from TCM, used to be Entertainment Weekly. Oh, yeah. Fandango yeah. had guys running around with microphones. So uh, since this was my first one, I didn't apply for red carpet credentials. I And then you found I, out that that wasn't worth it anyway. Yeah, I just walked the blue carpet. What is yeah. the blue carpet? That's the one to get in the back <laughs> that they don't want us plebes. Interacting uh, with so the talent. You actually walked with the people that didn't want to be interviewed on the red carpet. Right. right. So all the uh, all the big stars went that way. Right. So we. But you're not allowed uh, to ask them any questions. N- no. Well, no, you can't. I mean, you. You were hobnob. If you I'm follow Lynn on Facebook, yeah, Lynn Venhouse, you could see. All the people that she saw, my wife's like, did you see all the people that live with? I'm like, yeah, she actually sent me the pictures because I'm not on Facebook. So, <laughs> so yes, you posted most of who you saw, and then you had some bathroom uh, yes, encounters my sister, as well? Yes, my sister Julie went with me, and she is a huge fan of a lot of the cable TV shows. Oh, good. She had said to me. So, like, she watches TNT and HBO and Showtime and all. Yeah, every, Everything drama. Okay. So, she had said to me, she, her new thing, she and her husband on, on the weekends, they, like, binge, like, stars. They just started Outlander. Mm-hmm. So, she was on like. stars, yes. So, she They're was like, oh, my God, five, I yeah. hope that guy's there, the Sam. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know what his name is. He's very good looking. Yes. She's like, oh, I hope he's there. And of course. He was. He was. And? Because he was a presenter. Mm-hmm. And she yeah. she died. Did she and go went, see him? Yeah. She died and went to heaven. And she didn't get her picture taken with him, though. But why? we get there. We're, we're, why why we're, did you fail her? <laughs> I wasn't near her because um, she parked herself at this place. Sam Hugan? Hogan sounds right. H U E G H A N. He is going to play Paul Newman in a movie about Patricia Neal. You know when when they did HUD. By the way, HUD is on TCM Wednesday night. Great movie. Mm -hmm. Anyway, it's one of his H movies. Right. She came back from a stroke and won the Oscar. Mm-hmm. So there's this movie about Patricia Neal, and so the same Hugan Hegan is going to play Paul Newman. Nice. So FYI. So then she had said to me before we we got there, if we also oh. see if we also see Timothy Timothy Oliphant. Well, well, I think that Glenda Jackson played Patricia Neal in like a TV movie. Yes, many it years was, I, rem- I remember that. Yeah, yeah. I just because I remember my grandmother wanted to watch it. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I forget yeah. who played role. Uh, some name actor played role doll in it too. I can't recall. Yeah, because Patricia Neal was married to Roald Dahl. That's mm. right. That's right. So there's all these connections. So that's I'm sure it's going to be a nice little. Whatever type movie. So, um, who else did you see? Be me being new, we went into the lobby area, and you know they have plant based food this year. Yes, so, sir. As yeah, you, yeah. as you could hear, uh, Joaquin Phoenix thank everybody because basically it was him who shamed them into doing it. Yeah, because, so well, gl- the Globes had done that the week before, yeah. right. right? So, uh, they had keto wine. Whoa! And they had uh, they How had they go? were passed around trays with. Uh, like veggie tacos and like uh, the Impossible Burger, Burger. you know, sliders. Mm-hmm. So we had a cocktail and a a little slider and sat at, and we're standing at a table. And this couple came by and they asked if they could s- sit with us. And it was their first one. Turns out she is a sec decorator for the Joker, for Joker. Oh, wow. And she was delightful and taught, raved about Joaquin Phoenix, about what a pro he is, about how everybody on the set loved him, about how he came up with all this stuff. And So it wasn't Todd Phillips, it was all Joaquin Phoenix? I can't say. That's what she says. I can't <laughs> say. No, but, but you don't I'm want to throw to, her under the bus either. I'm sworn to secrecy on some things. Yes. But she said Joaquin made that movie what it is like. It was his decision to climb in the refrigerator. Mm-hmm. And she had to go get a new refrigerator. She had to go get a bigger <laughs> get one refrigerator. one that he could fit in. Yeah. yeah. She also has worked with Wes Anderson hmm. on multiple projects. Wow. So I was like that. And she does like interior design and things like that. So they live in Brooklyn. So we bonded, and she was delightful. And she talked about how Joaquin's the real deal. He's not this ego guy. Well, his sixty minutes piece made him a look made him look a little more real than he I has been. I need to watch that. Yeah, because well, it was while you were there. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, there last Sunday night. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, well, Julie saw him walk by, but the big stars they just walked by. They're all in the front of the room. Yeah, you're, and so you're when there's the commercial balcony. breaks or whatever, there's no way you can get up there and get to them. And some of the bigger critics will be with some of the people, but because they're probably invited to sit. But the, you know, your assigned table. We were the second last row, by the way, but I was new. Mm-hmm. But however, where we were was great because we could get in and out really fast. We weren't like in a clog in the middle. So my sister discovered that 
if you go to the bathroom, there are people smoking, <laughs> smoking, and also waiting in line for the bathroom. because they have these trailers of all things. Oh, these, okay. these, yeah, but uh, they smell really good. They, for they're trailers. very fancy. <laughs> they're very fancy trailers. They have them at the zoo and they at at Anheuser Busch. For like Christmas stuff, they and at and at Union Station, right? Okay, yeah, 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 and yeah for the wheel and the whole aquarium thing. If you're outside waiting in line for the wheel, you you use one of these trailers. They're not, they're not porta potties, right? So very nice. So people, I I was like, where's the restrooms? And he pointed outside, and oh, I was it's like, it's that okay. giant trailer that smells like cherries. So my sister went in and had seen Christina. Applegate, but she called her Christina Aguilera. Oh, Ooh. ouch. Ooh. So then didn't get very far with her. No. And then she saw Kate Beckinsale after she presented and she said she's a smoker. Well, oh, I, th- sure. I yeah, think I we knew that. that. Yeah, yeah. So my first time I'm walking out and there's... I thought you were going to say she's a hag. <laughs> no, she did say she's very, you know, beautiful. Oh, stunning, yeah. stunning woman. Yeah. So I... And she, uh, she's not with Pete Davidson anymore, so... Yeah, well, he just goes through all these yes. really hot women. But very... you saw the star of my favorite film of last year. I know, Aquafina, and she was coming back from the restroom when I was going. Nora from Queens. And I went like this, oh. and I did a We Are Not Worthy, you know, and our like a little bow. Or something, and I just said, I love I, I loved you in uh, The Farewell You Made Me Cry. And she was taken aback, you know. And then I said, um, and Crazy Rich Asians, I just love everything you do. And I'm really, really looking forward to seeing what else you do. She's got a new sitcom coming out in the week. I know, Nora from Queens. Mm -hmm. And she was so nice. And then I ran into the grandmother, but Mm -hmm. I didn't get my picture taken with her because she. They were probably up. Well, she had her her like interpreter slash oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, she doesn't speaking <laughs> and she was smiling at me and I just said I just want to say how much your performance touched me and you reminded me of my own grandmother and the interpreter was smiling at me like oh that's so good because the woman she was so humble she was like I'm, I'm just happy to be here. You know, and that's why I was like, this is not a... You kind of learn who you can take a picture with and who you can't take Very a picture quickly. with. Well, and you have their to publicist will let you know. Yeah, and everybody has a publicist. Mm-hmm. Everybody. But so my sister, the first person... not if person, you go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> the first person we saw was Walter Walton Goggins. Mm-hmm. And we love him. And uh, Now, my, was, he there, was he there for... Uh, his TV work, or was he there for film? He was nominated for the Unicorn, right? For the CBS account. TV, yeah. yeah. And then he was also a presenter. So that's the first person we saw. So we go up and uh, talk to him. And my sister's just going on about Justified. And then I said, I really enjoyed you in Them That Follows. And I was surprised it didn't get that, you know, as much attention. And he said, well, you know, we came out of Sundance and we thought it was really going to do well. And so he thinks it's going to be discovered on uh, whatever you know, streaming platform. And, yeah. The snake handler film. Right. Yeah. So... I was happy to say that because he looked appreciative yeah. because, you know, you're bringing up. Because they hear stuff all the time. Right. You know, they, you know he hears, hears stuff about, you know, uh, you know, justified, I'm sure, all the time and all that. And that's that's what the thing, you know, when you see someone, he said, don't, don't go with the most obvious thing that they've been in. You know, go with something right. and that, they'll engage them. You know? Our buddy Rob Levy saw James Earl Jones and made sure that he didn't mention, he, he said, what do you, what, he's like, Guess what my favorite performance of yours is? And he's like, 
don't say Darth Vader. And he's like, no, I was going to say Field of Dreams because that's one we can see your face. Terrence. Yeah. Terrence yeah, yeah. Mann. Yeah. And, and, and James Earl Jones appreciated that because most people say, can you do, can you do your Darth Vader voice on my phone? Yeah. Oh, my friend Scott, he had uh, some t- thing he worked with with uh, Leslie Nielsen. Mm-hmm. And instead of asking him about Airplane or Naked Gun, he said, you know, I watched you in Forbidden Planet the other day. And it's really great. And he just sparkled when he heard yeah, because that. Because people yeah. hear about, James Earl Jones hears about Star Wars right. all the time. Yeah, yeah. Or the right. uh, Great White Hope. Or they hear or his stuff on Broadway. Uh, and I'm I'm sure he hears a lot of Field of Dreams stuff too. It's just, yeah. He's so. Can you say this is CNN? <laughs> There's yeah. just so much well, stuff. Well, the Simpsons thing when they go this is CNN. But no, that's what I've learned in the in the 40 years of being a journalist. You know, interviewing people. You bring up stuff that that's going to start that a conversation because not the same stuff that they've heard over right. and over. Right, and, and then over. they know you're not. You they know you're not being fake because they know you've actually seen. There's stuff like when I talked to Molly Shannon, I mentioned me and Earl and the dying girl, and mm-hmm. she just goes, oh, I love that. And so she was so kind and nice and stood there and talked to people. I mean, she looked at them and gave them the time of day, and it was very nice. So I saw Seth Myers coming in, who is very tall. Yeah, really? Oh, I was so shocked. And he had a really spiffy... Uh, blue tuxedo on and i just said was he presenting and he was talking to beanie feldstein mm-hmm. well, he and won one i think that night he did he? win yeah. for best talk show he split one with, uh, with james, james Corden, Corden mm-hmm. who yeah. wasn't there and uh so beanie's a beautiful girl oh she yeah, has she's a she has a beautiful oh, yeah. she's got her next role right yeah she's she's gonna be in the next link ladder thing that's gonna last 10 years oh no i, I, I thought you were talking about the thing she said she's gonna be monica Lewinsky, isn't she they, they still going through oh wow no yeah. she's in, there's a link ladder project that's gonna take 10 years it's gonna be um merrily we roll along oh. they're gonna do that and uh who is i i just read about it today and he's gonna do it He's going to do it over a period of ten years, so they can age, and then they can. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Because don't isn't that doesn't that take place in reverse? Yeah. Okay, and so they're going to do like the early scenes first, and then go do the beginning. No, the reverse of that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, how cool! Yeah, yeah. Very cool. That was a musical in Lady Bird, FYI. Oh yeah. The Stephen Sondheim one. Oh, so it's and funny Jason, that she's going to be in it. Yeah, and Jason Alexander starred in it on Broadway because huh. you know I am the musical yeah, you are. nerd. Well, I, if I saw Beanie, I would I would mention how good she was on the TV version of What We Do in the Shadows this last year. Yeah. So. Well, I couldn't really get to her because she had all these people and they were talking and I went up to Seth Meyers and I just want to go, I just want to tell you that your a closer look keeps mm-hmm. me sane. Right. And he laughed and then we chatted. And, uh, he, and you can't he, talk about that. Either. He was very lovely. Uh, and, Blake uh, Jenner and Ben Platt are also going to be in Maryland. Oh, well, Ben Platt, dear Evan Tony Hansen. winner, mm-hmm. is Beanie's best friend. Oh, okay. They've been best friends since they were young. young. I mean, they are young. But sure. so he talks about <laughs> yeah. that. Okay. A lot. They do things together. So uh, so anyway, it's very crazy. These things are crazy and chaotic, and there's all these people, and there's all these people trying to, like, you know, people are trying to get drinks, people are trying to go to the bathroom, people are trying to find their tables, and... Uh, it was a mess. 
But it, it was, was c- controlled chaos. Controlled chaos. But Julie seemed to be really good at just maneuvering. Your sister? And, yeah, and figuring out where to go and stuff. So this other guy who who uh, worked on the Ed Sullivan show. Wow. Oh he's my. a critic in, in Phoenix. and he, he has a good seat because he's been doing it for a long time. Well, he sat next to me in oh, the second wow. last row. So, But he's an original. Oh, he wow. said they started with 44 people and they had a luncheon. Oh, and my now it's 400 people and right. it's, you know, everybody. But we are the biggest predictors of the Oscar nominations. Really? And so that's did why Did you pe- give Parasite anything? I did. I voted for Bung Joon-ho as uh, a director, director. And, he, and he tied with Sam Mendes. Mm-hmm. And I also voted for it for script, but it didn't. 17 of the 24 awards, I voted for the person that won. Good. Mm. And if it was a tie... Like in song you're, you're with that. Glasgow, I count that because mm-hmm. I voted for Glasgow. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so I did not vote for Taryn Edgerton, and um, I well, no, that was Golden Globes. What that was I, Globes. Yeah, I can't. He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't nominated in the Critics' Choice. I, I can't remember. So. But I did give Parasite people standing. Oh, mm-hmm. I did give Bong Joon Ho. We all, you know, mm-hmm. some people stood up, and I did too because that was really cool. He got it. And then last night at the Screen Actors Guild, because we're taping this. Mm-hmm. Later, Late. due to circumstances, due, due to you being in Hollywood, yeah, and and uh, anyway, uh, he uh, they won for best ensemble. Yes, cast. they did, which I is their that. best picture. That because they don't do best picture. They no, do best they do best because it's about the acting, yeah, yeah, and not the directing or the yeah. producing or any of that. They do best ensemble, which is their version of best picture. First, first foreign, foreign. film. To win the SAG award, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. just hoping more people discover it because people ask me about it. Mm-hmm. It's still, it's still playing. I know it's still playing. By the way, it's coming out on video or oh, DVD. Yeah, yeah, like a week from Tuesday, week yeah. from tomorrow. Yeah, right. So January 28th, and Landmarks run Parasite, and they've been running Jojo Rabbit. Jojo Rabbit is gaining momentum. I mean, it's it not going to win, but I think more people. Is that are good s- for ScarJo for I, supporting? Well, I still think it's no, Laura no, Dern. No, it's, it's Laura Dern. It's still Laura Dern. It's Laura yeah, they, Dern. So you talk about uh, you know uh, the profile of Joaquin Phoenix on 60 Minutes yesterday. CBS Sunday Morning did a terrific one about Laura Dern. So I think she's she's mm-hmm. the shoe in. She and Brad. Brad Pitt. Yeah. Yeah. She's on a roll. Well, they're all. If you notice, the Globes, the Screen Actors Guild, and the Critics Choice, pretty much both gave it to those two. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and I have a feeling part of the love for Laura Dern is for Little Women also. Yes, and she's on a roll because Big Little Lies, mm-hmm. and that and so she's really that. having a moment in the year. And then her dad was there last year, uh, last night to uh, mm-hmm. give um, her the award. To, no, to present for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, really? Really? Yeah, because I watched was... uh, half of the uh, AARP movies for grownups and uh, Diane Ladd. That's right, or Diane. Diane yeah, Diane Ladd. Right. Diane Ladd. Yeah, to have presented her with the uh, the award for best supporting mom. actress. So there you go. Yeah, and uh, I think if you, um, yeah. So other Oscar nominations are coming back in the theater, and yeah. then except 19th, if they're on Netflix. In nineteen, yeah, that's true. And then nineteen seventeen's really causing a stir. Well, I think to, just to divert from this for a second, were you picked or anyone in your party? Were any of your party picked for The Price is Right? I had uh, to sign the NDA. 
Oh, really? Yeah. yeah no, they don't want you to, you know. Yeah. But no, but you can say if you got picked or not. You can't. You can't. No, 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 no. no. How, okay, no. so I'm just saying watch our show March 10th. March okay, so 10th. they do tell you when this show's going to air. Yes. And we had the we had the good fortune or the misfortune to be on a lot. The show that had the longest technical delay ever in, in the, the history. history of the show. I'm sure they say that all the time, though. It was two hours. Oh my that's gosh, that's a while. That's a while. Yeah. And yeah, but they won't talk about that on the in the air product. No, but they did say because I talked to a page afterwards. Like I said, what can we say and what can't we say? And you said you can say that. And she said you can talk about this. So what happened was this. I guess it was good to be part of this. No, my one my one sister who lives in L.A. has not really seen Price is Right. Mm-hmm. And so she was not having this. But my other sister got up and danced with the people in the front. So you can see we have a wide spectrum of personalities in our family. <laughs> <laughs> so, so George Gray, the announcer, is from St. Louis. Yes, he is. And so everything starts fine. You know, they rev us up. We're all, first of all, to get on a game show, well, you have to request tickets, which mm-hmm. I was surprised at how easy uh, I could get them because a lot of times you can't. And I was waitlisted for, for the talk shows, Kimmel and Corden and The Voice. Which you didn't get into. No, which that, but Price is Right. Apparently, there's only certain times a year that they do record Mm -hmm. and so this might have been added or something so anyway there's 325 people you get there everybody's in line you got to do for three and a half hours you do nothing but wait in line sign forms this legal agreement and uh you can't have been on a game show or related to anybody at Mm -hmm. cbs or blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. and then they give you the iconic name tag they uh, well first of all they give you a number then they give you the iconic name tag and they talk to you and you have to go through security you have to do all this stuff you have to get your cell phone uh tagged so that you can't be on it during the show and there's all this stuff that takes place for three and a half hours including the interview where they pick the people to come on down Ooh, so you're in a group and this producer just asks you questions. And then they figure out who they're going to ask. So the real taping is only supposed to be an hour and a half. Or f- well, okay. So you're you there from 40- basically, you're there from 1 to 5.30. But then you got to go get your phone. you got to go get your picture because mm-hmm. they took your picture and everything. So uh, everything starts. Drew comes out. Very personable. George has warmed us all up. Very personable. Everybody's in a good mood. And then they're like, oh, we're having technical issues. Oh, we got to see what happens. Then Drew went back in his dressing room. And then George had to do the heavy lifting where he, he had, had to entertain inter- everybody for two hours. Entertain us. So, so kind of midway, he says, hey, can anybody? And then the producer came out and named Adam Sandler. Yes, I did know that that, but they're not related. No. And so he comes out and says, we're going to have a show. They're working frantically. You're not leaving. We're blah, gonna, blah, blah. We're going to feed you. Well, yeah, that that was in addition to all the drama it took for you to get out there. But we won't talk about it. Yeah. That. And so we're like, um, so we're sitting there, and, and George asks if anybody can sing. And this lady pops up, and he goes, oh, are you a professional singer? And she goes, 
I sing at church. And mm-hmm. so he ran with that the whole time, like, I sing at church. And she was good. And then the guy got up and did Marvin Gaye, What's Going On? And he mm. was really good. And then this scrawny white kid gets up and he wants everybody to sing along with him for my girl. And, you know, you're thinking, mm-hmm. okay, Temps. He was fantastic. He got a standing ovation, spontaneous standing ovation after he finished. Any talent scouts there looking at these people? Well, who well that I is mean, L.A. It is L.A., so... Everyone's who, a waiter and an actor. Yeah, who knows? And then this young kid got up and had everybody rapping with him. And then this page says, very timidly, like, I can sing Whitney. <laughs> and everybody's like, whoa. Don't and, try that. And he and George is like, really? You want to do this? So she sings, I will always love you. Because George was like, are you sure Mm -hmm. you want to sing this? So the audience was going crazy, like, hit it, sing it, get it, you can do it. So is this all acapella, or do they have the music? Yeah, no, this is all acapella. And so everybody's bonding. Well, at first what happened was the DJ Jazzy John, Mm. at first to entertain us when all this was going on, started playing songs that everybody was singing to. Right. You know, like a lot of the popular songs. Mm-hmm. So that got everybody in the mood, you know. That was a half hour. So then, <laughs> so then everybody starts singing, and that was good. And then some guys, some old guys, start doing like wedding dance moves, you know. Yeah. And then my sister Julie joins them, and then uh, they're dancing and everything. And then they gave us granola bars. Okay. Because this is about four thirty. Oh yeah, because that you haven't even started taping yet. No, we haven't taped yet. And so then after they go, oh, you're such a great audience, you know, of all that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. we can't believe how well you're taking this. Now, some people did have to leave. I got to go. I got things to do. I so got, they, I they didn't. But, oh, I forgot to tell this part. They did call the people, the four first people, come mm-hmm. on down. Oh, and they had to So wait. they went there and there and there and there. And then, you know, of course, this is all happening. And so they go, when we start again, we're going to start, like, this didn't happen. Oh, that we're going to start. Why the didn't they whole... just read? Oh, because they want to keep their natural reactions. Yeah, yeah the they want to. Th- we're going to start this whole thing over. I don't think some of it took because of the the technical problems. Okay. So those people had to act like this was news to them. Well, we'll you know? find out on March 10th. I know. And everybody applauded them how good of actors they were for for acting like that. And then George was saying all this stuff. But he said, hey, because you guys have been so great and you've had to wait so long, we're going to have sandwiches for you afterwards. Nice. So that Were was they good? Not... It was the Popeye chicken sandwich. <laughs> it was a deli who, I mean, they were massive, like, mm-hmm. like, pastrami on rye that was this big and then you went to pinkberry no and then um in and out burger my sisters we went to um my sisters wanted wine <laughs> okay they did i don't think cbs is allowed to legally give you that. no because it was a long day we got out of there like seven seven uh well seven? no 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 eight we got out of there at eight okay but that's still yeah, in, and in we your went mind over, at six. Yeah, we went over to this wood fire grill place and sat and just was like so happy. And then everybody in this crowd bonded mm-hmm. because some other people were over there and we were all talking. We, and, they needed wine as well. <laughs> yeah, we weren't the only ones that needed a cocktail. So that's my living in LA, although, um, but, uh, although. You had a better time at your sister's house watching the turtles. Yeah, and my my great nephew, he's so cute. 
Oh, but, and I should mention though that you're talking about uh, getting back to the uh, the the award show. I was glad to see you with Leonard Maltin, my yes. movie historian hero. He wrote the first movie history book I ever bought and read. So, oh yeah, I told him. I said I had all your books. You were the first one. Mm-hmm. You know, he did those movie guides. Right. And well, before that, I yeah. Had, and I said I watched you on Entertainment Tonight, and and he was he was very nice. He's got to be. Up there. Well, yeah, movie Comedy Teams, the name mm-hmm. of the book. I oh, still wow. have it. It's really? cover still barely on it from about 1967 or 69, wow. actually. So it covered, it had And a, that's a why list. it was on Enter- Entertainment Tonight, because he'd been doing it for oh, I know. 20 it's years by then. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. But no, it had a history of every movie comedy team up until and including Rowan and Martin. I think they came out with an updated version 10 years later with Cheech and Chong. But this listed every Three Stooges short, uh, every wow. Laurel Hardy short. Just amazing book. Oh, Wonderful wow. Book. Um, uh, you know, I was talking to him about that. He seemed very appreciative because, you know, it's a different era. And he was one of the first. He was one of the, you know, most respected historians. Mm-hmm. And he was. He so was in the, all, all those Disney uh, archives. Oh, yes, yeah, that's he right. Was, yeah. He, came out to the beginning and if they were ever to release a uh, song of the south he would have to come up on the front of that and explain things to people uh-huh probably along with, with Whoopi goldberg maybe possibly yeah i don't think he was getting as much attention so i think he was really happy that i that went someone up was talking to him and talked well, he, to him he's, and... he's got white hair now doesn't he or is yeah, he dying and i at... and he said oh it's so nice to meet you and you know he seemed very appreciative of my gushing you know this is a thing like you're a journalist but you're there as a critic and i wasn't you know i was covering it but you're also a fan of their work mm-hmm. and i always think when i interview somebody I don't really gush at them. I just say you're you gushing know, at fellow critics. <laughs> I'm a fan of your I'm a fan of your work and like or at least you something said, that they you mentioned something that they did. Mm-hmm. You know, like with David Aiello, I said middle of nowhere. David Aiello, he's you could say that he was a very strong part of the Star Wars Rebels. show. and he would say, "How did you realize that was my voice?" because he oh, he was so good on that show. Yeah, so I try to look at, but it's weird when you're when you're in this situation, you know. Like my sister wanted to meet Sterling K. Brown so bad, so she made a. You, know, bee- you could probably do that here. <laughs> she made a beeline for that. Well, she lives. Oh, but in she South lives Carolina. out there. Okay. Oh, she lives. All right. Your yeah. other sister. Yeah, my sister. So she wanted to. Um, Talk to him, but so uh, he had left early. A lot of people leave early. If they don't win, they get out. The, if they don't win, or, or else if they're working over. the next oh, day, yeah, yeah. and that. But Sunday Susan Kalechi Watson was still there, and Julie was like, "I want to go up to talk to her." And I said, "Oh, okay, I'll go." I with love you. the guy that plays your husband. <laughs> and so, um, I told her that I really enjoyed her work in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. I said I really liked mm-hmm. what you did with that character that didn't exist, and uh, even though you don't like that part of the story yeah but she was <laughs> but good. she's good with she's what she good. was given and she seemed very happy to find that out and then uh we were talking about sterling she and my sister was like would you tell him she goes i will tell him because my sister watches that and just loves how those two interact together they play, and they are good they're a good couple not right. just a married couple but they are good right. and so, talented actors. so julie was going on and on and on about that and then i said i really like sterling and waves and she just went like oh my god so he good. was so good oh and just so it was really fun to talk to her but we didn't take a picture oh 
Because right. you kind of you have know. that experience. Yeah. And then, like, my sister saw John Lithgow talking to Jason Sudeikis. And that's wow. the kind of thing is if they're talking, you don't want to bother them. Yeah. Hi, let me get in there and ruin your conversation. Yeah. Because, you know, you just, there's this line you got. And I guess it's like the first time you go to this, you have to learn the dance. You mm-hmm. know, like, you have to learn. And then Stephen Tobolowsky, this is so funny. I go, oh, you know, I go, I couldn't remember his last name. And I was trying, I go, Tobolowsky. And he goes, yeah, Tobolowsky. And I go, oh, my God. I said, I just watched Groundhog Day again because that's his most famous, don't you think? Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's he's one of those guys. But he was. He'd everything. Right. He's on a show that was nominated. That's why he was there. Only people who are nominated. Well, he was on Silicon Valley for a couple of years, too. Yeah, but there's something that he was nominated for that was. A movie or TV that he's yeah, in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, um, he also hosts a podcast. Well, the only people that are there that are the big, you know, the big names are the ones that are nominated, mm-hmm. or they're at a table with other people, or they're a presenters. Mm-hmm. And that's or that's the, pretty much you it. Have to, you have to be invited. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you have to be invited. And I guess like Screen Actors Guild, you have to be invited too because that's quite a room. Mm-hmm. But like we didn't, I didn't have any contact with any of those, like you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or any of those people. But last night, I don't know if you guys watched Screen Actors Guild, but Brad Pitt gave a speech for the ages. Mm-hmm. Did you see it? I did not. No, I have not seen it Because I had to work this morning. Already. Oh, well, his speech is a hoot, and he had everybody laughing. And Jen congratulated him backstage on his speech. And they have a picture of that. Yes, they do. On well, Twitter. Saw, well, I saw there's a picture of him with Charlize Theron, so I'm sure everyone thinks they're dating now. Oh, of course. Well, it was funny because uh, this one guy that writes for Entertainment Weekly, mm-hmm. he put marriage story, and he had three uh, photos of Brad and Jen. Okay. Brad watching Jen win. Mm-hmm. Brad congratulating Jen. Brad and Jen having a moment, but supposedly they're friends. Well, yeah, yeah. She won last night for marriage uh, morning show. Didn't morning she? show. Yes. Yeah, that's nice. Right, which I haven't seen. Well, well she, anybody I believe, watching the Apple show? I believe what she said was, uh, if he wants to come on that show, he'd be more than welcome. So I'm I think someone. I think somebody's going to put them together in a. In a uh, Mr. and Mrs. Smith kind of way. But well, <laughs> I don't know. But I think people, the tabloids go crazy trying to get those two. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga last year. Right. They right. Get them together. Well, yeah. We've got to vacate the studio. So uh, next week we'll talk about the All Star game and uh, the NHL All Star game that is here in St. Louis. Uh, the Gentleman, we are going to see that. I Lost My Body, which you can actually see right now, but it's going to be out in theaters starting next week. And um, no one, none of us, did you see Double Tap? Uh, oh, so, yes, I did, actually. Okay. Yes. You is paid money as, for it. it. I did. It was a it $5 as, Tuesday. Is it as bad as everyone says? I don't think it's that bad. I thought it was very, I thought it's a yeah. pretty good sequel. Kevin okay. Brackett really liked it. Remember, we yeah. had him on. I know. Yeah. Black right. and Blue in the Adams Family. The, I saw it, Adams Family. And that. So, and I just want to re, uh, remind everybody that Curb Your Enthusiasm started last night. It was night, on last night. And John Hamm is w- one of the characters. Yeah, he this was year. not on last night. No, but he'll be one of the characters. And Real Time with Bill Maher started. Friday with uh, Nancy Pelosi as his guest. All right. And Andrew Yang is one of the panelists. All right. Well, if you're interested in any of that, 
you can watch all that. Or we'll see you at the films. Well, where can we find you, Jim? Oh, I'm over at WeAreMovieGeeks.com. And my name is Carl Middleman. You can find me at underscore Carl the Intern on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can hear me on the radio all over the place. And I am in the Times newspapers, which are timesnewspapers.com, which is West End Word, South County Times, and Kirk, Webster Kirkwood Times. And I am on KTRS every Thursday night with Ray Hartman. And I, we are here usually Fridays. We try, but we're a little late this week. We'll be week. back again this Friday. So have a good time. Go out and see the Oscar nominees so you can work on your ballot. All right. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye.